You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Well, excited today to have Will Smith in the studio. And uh, man, I've gotten to know Will over this last month or so. Met Will at a worship leader gathering here in Nashville, Tennessee. It was at Pinewood Social. We were all bowling and eating. And how can you not become friends over that, right? And uh, and then we grabbed lunch uh, just a couple weeks ago. And uh, man, just got to hear his heart. And I said, man, this is a dude whose voice we need to lean into. And so excited to have Will Smith. He is the worship pastor at Bethel World Outreach Church here in Nashville, Tennessee, making a huge difference in Middle Tennessee and beyond. And uh, yeah, Will, man, welcome to the podcast. Why don't you just share a little bit of your journey? Like, how did you become a worship pastor? What did that look like? And what are you up to these days, man? Well, thank you for having me, my brother. Listen, with the name Will Smith, you know, um, I've always, uh, it's always been a good thing. Well, the last couple months, it hasn't been too, too great of a name for me, but uh, oh, we're man. still hanging in there. But I love when you texted me and you said, I'm the Will Smith that won't smack you. <laughs> Absolutely. Woo. But you know what? Uh, just growing up and I grew up in Akron, Ohio. I've been in Nashville here for about 14 and a half years, but I grew up in Akron, Ohio. I was married young. I mean, I was 19 engaged. I got married at 20. As soon as I turned 20, matter of fact, my wife was like, I want our, um, our wedding to be in April. Okay. I said, "Uh, let's make it July 18th. She said, why then? I said, it's a week after my 20th birthday. I don't want to be 19 getting married. (laughs) So yeah. And so she still talks about that because she had already just turned 20. But uh, it'll be almost 30 years being Incredible. married. So, yeah, and, and I'm still hanging on in my 40s for a split second here. I have two children. Um, they're grown at this point. They're both married. Uh, my son and his wife just had a grand. We just had a granddaughter. She's mm. seven months old, and God has just really blessed her. Interesting thing with her, she was born with, a, they call it half-heart syndrome. Wow. And uh, so it's hypoplastic left heart syndrome. And with that, the left part of her heart wasn't all the way def- uh, formed. So the, the right side is the one that gives the, the, I'm not a medical, don't get me messing it up here, but the left side is a part that sends, a, it oxygenates the lungs. And okay. It oxy- I hope I said it word right. Anyway, yeah. it gives oxygen to the good. lungs. <laughs> gives oxygen to the lungs. And so that part was underdeveloped. So when she was born, they said, we have to do surgery right away. So within mm. three days, she, she uh, had surgery as a baby, just heart surgery. And then they said, there, there'll be two more surgeries in her lifetime. The, the next one will be within four to six months. She just had that one a month ago. And she's doing good. That's the one where they she really gets her energy and, and things start going well. And they just put a kind of a substitution not a yeah substitution you call it and it's just it, it makes everything flow better so mm-hmm. she's at that stage now the last one will be when she's four or five years old and that'll take her through the rest of her life wow but it's interesting her my son and, um and his wife named her harmony uh, harmony means one that brings people together mm-hmm. and they had a name before they even knew this issue and she has brought so many people together so many people together in prayer so you never know what god uses something that can seem you know uh, bad 
or negative, you never know how God's going to use that for his glory. And we're seeing that now. So, dude, I want to pause on that for just a second, because mm-hmm. right before we started, we were talking about a story that's happening and an unfolding in your church right now um, that you guys are kind of walking through a tragic moment uh, yes. with, with a sad loss in your church. And, and I was sharing a little bit about how we walked through that about six months ago yeah. in our church. I did my first ever funeral. What does it look like to lead through tragedy, to be a worship pastor in the midst of a season of suffering. Well, as I'm as you're saying that, Psalms 23 mm. comes to me, and uh, and the Bible's about to read it read it off for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. And I love how it talks how He's our shepherd. Let me move down, verse four. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll feel no evil yeah. for you are with me. Your ride and staff, they comfort me. So what, what I've learned in the last, I should have known this longer than this, but what I've learned in the last two years, because I did a funeral too, and I used this scripture, and and the message I spoke at it was called Good Grief. Mm. And in that, I was thinking like, wait a minute, grieving is not a totally bad thing. Thing as far as trying to stop somebody from grieving is not good to do because it's like, okay, God's going to God's going to be there for you. I know you had a major loss. You had tragedy. Hey, he's going to be there for you. He's going to take away the pain. Mm. And sometimes we're asking God to take away something. But a lot of times he wants it to, to sit there and he wants to walk through it with you. That's so good. Yeah. Do I walk through the valley of shadow of death? I will fear no evil. It didn't say because you're going to take everything away. You're going to take the darkness away. You're going to take all this away. No, he said. Even though you're in that position, I'm yeah. going to be with you. So don't fear because I'm right mm, there. Mm. So in uh, that that ties in worship too, like in, in having a life of worship, going through certain things, struggles people have, but just know, keep him, just know he's with you and acknowledge that he's with you. He said he gives you direction. If you acknowledge him in all your ways, he directs your path. So mm-hmm. continue to acknowledge. You fall, you get up and say, Lord, I, I know you're here. Sometimes we're like, okay, he's a, he's mad at me, so he's going to be just far away from me. Mm-hmm. No, he's right there. You just have to recognize it. Mm-hmm. I tell our worship team all the time, I said, it's it's not like, oh, Lord, come by here, Lord. Come by here. We need your presence to come. No, his presence is already here let's go we just have to recognize it and bring yes. attention and awareness to what's there then that's when we see the moves or we notify or we, we we notice the moves then david said oh magnify the lord with me and let us exalt his name together mm-hmm. when you think of the word magnify it's to make something bigger yep so a magnifying glass it's like you take it and you say wow look at that bug and you're not not like when we were little kids how you put on the sun and try to kill the bug i'm not talking about that instance but i'm talking about when you're looking at that bug and you're like whoa that bug has on his back it has a diamond shaped thing and uh it has oh i thought it had six legs it actually has 12 legs right what you're doing is you're not making it bigger. You're just bringing attention and awareness to details that's there. That's so good, man. So when David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me, he said, come on, let's exalt him. Let's examine him and bring the details to his goodness. Wow. And you see all kinds of sides of him at that point. I love that. You know, when you're talking about just like the idea of that he's with us already, I was just reading on uh, Facebook, somebody had posted that I had grown up with. They posted like, man, we're really just tired of the evangelical church just saying that everything's going to be fine. Just trust God, give it to God, give it to God. And she said, it's good to acknowledge the pain and that, 
you know, it's not just a quick fix. It's not like everything's going to be better. Everything's going to be, but it's like, if you read the Bible, it doesn't take long to realize, man, everyone walked through suffering. Everyone walked through pain. No one was uh, immune to suffering. No one was, they got to avoid Mm -hmm. the pain in their life. You go all the way back to Abraham and you go to Moses and you go through these giants of the faith, Esther, and they all walk through moments of pain. And I love that you're just like, look, we just need to put a magnifying glass on the goodness of God. Because when we can just illuminate the details, we see he's not a guy that shies away from suffering, man. That's good. Dude, I love that, man. Thank you for sharing that. And you know, you're telling about some of your family. And uh, I know you showed me a video not too long ago of your daughter leading worship. I mean, come on, man. Like my daughter is 10. And one of the things I've prayed over her is the heart of worship uh, tell me about that, man. I mean, I know I'm throwing all these curveballs your way, but I just want to know, like, what's it like to lead worship with your daughter now? How did you cultivate an atmosphere of worship in your home? Wow. It, it is to, oh, great question. To lead <laughs> worship with my daughter is absolutely, there's nothing like it. Like, when when I'm training worship leaders or when I'm playing behind worship leaders, I'm always like, okay, tell me where you're going. Let me know. Give me the sign. There's a chorus sign. There's a verse. There's all mm-hmm. these signs we'll give. With her, I still want her to give them, but she doesn't even have to. Wow. Because like, we we are connected and we we just know where where we each other want to go and and we feel the presence of God leading us in certain directions. It was cultivated. Uh, she's third generation uh, Christian, third generation just um, believer of the gospel of Jesus. So my dad is a pastor. He's been a pastor for some time now. He's heading to retirement. We're trying to, okay, dad, it's time. (laughs) It's time to retire. But then second generation, I'm in that second generation of, I grew up in church. I started playing drum. My dad became a pastor when I was 10 years old. And when he became pastor, he was sent to pastor. I'm from Akron, Ohio. We lived in Akron. He was sent to a place called Twinsburg, Ohio. It's between Akron and Cleveland. And uh, when he started pastoring there, he took, of course, he took us as a family, me, my sister, and my brother, and my mom, of course. We all went, and I started playing drums, and he got, he invested in me, gave me a, a three-piece drum set. It had a kick, snare, one tom, and, <laughs> and one cymbal, and a hi-hat. Let's go. And, I, and that's where I started. Making that happen, and that was I was the only musician there. That that's all that happened. So they would start a song, and I just pick it up on drums. We had a beat going. We was it acapella and drums? Acapella and drums. Okay, so anybody listening that's like, we don't have a band, you can do it. (laughs) You can do it if you have just one person playing something. It just keeps you on track. So um, we we did that, and so I just my parents as as I grew in music and worship, then I. I didn't even know it was called discipling someone, but then there was this young lady who had the potential uh, to drum. She used to watch us drum, watch me drum and things, so I taught her to drum. Then I moved to bass. Wow. So that was around 15, 16 years old. I started playing bass, and I was like, okay. Only about a year after that, I started playing keys. It's interesting how a drummer looks at uh, when you're playing drums and then you're playing with a band the drummer's best friend is like the bass player. You're like mm-hmm. looking like, man, he's making me sound good. <laughs> then you get on bass, you're like, I want to play that instrument because he's making me sound good as a drummer. Then you get on bass, and then you look at the keyboard guy, he's making me sound good. <laughs> so that's the way my transition went because it's, it's just like, wow, that seems like the next step for me. So I've been playing keyboard all these years, and I, my mom, as a 
she's not a worshiper. She doesn't sing or do any of that. But she, wait, hold on. Let me get that right. She is a worshiper. She's not a singer, which does not mean you're not a worshiper. There's some people that are in our choir. They can just barely hold a note. As long as you can barely hold, you got to hold something. <laughs> we can't put a Fisher Price mic in front there of you all go. the time. <laughs> but but the worship in her is so vast, and that's what cultivated that in me. She would always, like, if we're in time of worship, she would say, she was whispering in my ear as I'm playing piano, playing organ. She said, find God. Where, where, wherever he's at right now, go go to him. Put your mind in him. Put your affection and intention. Whatever you're playing, play play unto him. Play from your heart. Things like that I heard throughout the years before my daughter was even born. So it's kind of like, you know, those things happened. Then I married a worshiper. My wife was she she led worship at my dad's church for years. Then she got pregnant. She even while she was pregnant, she was still leading. Then when she had the baby, she was down for a bit. But then when the baby was old enough for someone else to hold her, she would give the baby to someone else and go up there and lead worship. Wow. So it it was cultivated through just a repetition of them singing all the time and them uh, experiencing those moves of God in those in those uh, in that atmosphere. You know, it's interesting as you're sharing that. I'm thinking back on when my daughter, who's now ten, was in the womb, and my wife is a bass player. And here in the studio, I've got a pink bass over there that she plays. Oh, wow! Yes. And and so when she was pregnant, she would play that bass, and then when her belly got too big, it would kind of be like she play it on the side of her stomach. Oh, that's great. And, but it's there's something about I mean, you know, you think back to the story of Samuel and and Hannah dropped Samuel mm. off to be raised in the temple. You don't hear yeah. about that a lot nowadays, being raised in the church, because we live in a day and age where, you know, there's the de-churched and people walking away from church, even at a young age. But there's something True. about being raised in church. My dad started a church when I was 11 or 12. And wow. so the idea yeah. of just it, it's all around you. And for the parents that are listening, I mean, don't despise the day of small beginnings when you're raising your kids, even them being around worship and playing it in the home and having, you know, and and not, there's no junior Holy Spirit. There's just Holy Spirit. That's good. You know, and so he can uh, minister to your kids just as much as he can to adults. And I think there's something so powerful when you're raised. You know, one of the things that we've prayed over my daughter is a three-part prayer. Hmm. It's the beauty and favor of Esther. Starting to regret that right now. That now that she's becoming a little girl, uh, the beauty in favor of yeah. Esther, the strength and courage of Samson, and man, she's a bull. I mean, she's like wow. stubborn, like, and so the strength and courage and the heart of worship of David. Yes. Those three things, and yes. God begins to answer those prayers, and you see that manifest in front of your eyes. Mm-hmm. And man, I've seen your daughter lead worship, and it is anointed, it's powerful, wow, and uh, so, dude, just kudos to to you. any other thoughts or advice, and just like cultivating that spirit of worship in the home what i would do as they were growing up is always teach them how even like you mentioned earlier people in the bible have this is what i got from what you said people have failed but i got from that that but god is still there we started with saying god is there in the beginning through yeah. dark times through all these things and i think about how he called david a man after his own heart and the things david did right there's some sins we have done there's some sins i mean even you can say worse because i mean we can say oh i've never killed anybody but but god still called him a man after his own heart so as our children are growing up letting them know there's no mistake that's too big for you not to still have a place with god and still be able to praise and worship him wow so I That'll think, preach. yeah, but yeah, that just blessed me and helped me throughout my life, throughout my journey mm. and throughout times when I've fallen and said, okay, God, it's like, nah, you don't want to be around me. The, my thoughts I had, the way I'm t- thinking, uh, 
Um, you know, all things I've done, you don't want to. And it's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He, he said, I'm still, you're still a man after my own heart. Mm. Because one thing David did, David, when God came to David and said, okay, the prophet came to David and he said, you have done these things. You are the man. He brought it to his attention. And David could have just denied why well, I did it because uh, he could have gave him reason. Right. He said, no, he, he, he threw his hands up per se and just gave his affection to God. He said, you know what? I'm just going to lay this all at God because I know God is merciful and will forgive. Mm -hmm. He said, created me a clean heart. I can still see God almost like, well, Dave, David, Dave. <laughs> I, he said, <laughs> little well, Dave, little Dave, listen, <laughs> what you did, it deserves death. But God created me a clean heart, renew a right spirit. Okay, well, I need to punish you some kind of way. But then wait, David said this, then I'll teach transgressors your, transgressors your way and sinners shall be converted. To me, it feels like that the part as a father, God is our father. That's the part that would really turn my heart because it's like, wait, you're saying that you're, you're asking for me to create in you a clean heart. You asked me for, to forgive you. Okay, I can do that, but there's got to be some kind of punishment. But then wait, I will make, not make, but in, invoke others yeah. to worship you. Yeah. So in other words, if you kill me, who's going to worship you like me? Wow. If you take me out, who's going to cause others to worship you like me? Come I'm, on. I'm, I'm, I'm a, uh, a, a excellent worshiper, not a perfection, perfected right, worshiper, right. but a worshiper that knows how to get at your heart. I love you in such a way. So I believe that's the part as a, if I was God as a father, that would make me say, I'm just going to give you mercy. It's mm. because you're you're the one that's still going to pull people toward me. You're wow. the one that's still going to get worship me in a certain way. And there's one thing about worshiping God in one in, in in a certain way as yourself, but it's another thing when you cause others to worship. Yeah, yeah. when you pull others into worship, it, mm. it creates this whole different thing. And and God has grace, His mercy and grace on worship leaders is is because He He has invested so much. And he's still looking for his return. There's some people who, and at a church our size, it's people who come up all the time and, and want to join the team. And, and I let them know, hey, join the choir. You know, mm -hmm. I know we're jumping around here, but join the choir and go there first. And, and, and it's kind of a humble spot for a lot, most folks. And some people don't even make it that far. But if they do make it that far, they learn how to serve. They're learning how to grow in their worship. They're learning how to serve God's people. And when worship God together. Yeah. So it's that's amazing, man. I, I love that. Like, it's almost like a humble filter that you can yeah, put yeah, people through. I, I remember our, my time at uh, national community church in Washington mm -hmm. and, and uh, like, like Bethel is a larger church. And we had a lot of people that would want to join our team. And, and one time we had, we had uh, an incredible woman who came and she had led at one of the Hillsong campuses overseas. And, uh, mm -hmm. and she let me know that. And, uh, you know, I, said, I want, want to join your team. I said, awesome. Here's your audition. It's next two. Tuesday and and it was like oh, I need to audition and uh, I said yep you still have to audition you know and she came and she auditioned and did incredible right. and, and walked through all of that but I think it doesn't matter who where you're from or, or right. because when you come into the culture of a church it's like hey that's awesome but but kind of this is our culture here and that's and I good. think humility always has to be such a a sifting ground for worship leaders and worship pastors and and even as you were sharing your story over lunch the other day uh, tell us a little bit about that because you didn't just jump right up and become a worship pastor all of a sudden you, you tell us how you joined because yeah for those who may not be um, uh, familiar with Bethel World Outreach Center. It's, it's a very influential church, and and you are uh, obviously a huge part of that. And but how did that journey look as you kind of first showed up and to where you are now? 
Okay, awesome, awesome. When I, we moved to Nashville, my family and I, we we were if we felt a call to move here. And I, in my mind, sometimes when you feel a call, you're like, okay, I feel called to do this. And then you, you see the whole picture sometimes. Sometimes you don't see the picture at all, which is good when you're trusting God and you don't see the picture. That works your faith really good. <laughs> but me, my faith was getting worked because I didn't have a job and I, was, and, and I needed provision <clears throat> and I needed to be sustained when I got here. But one thing I did is I said, uh, I started making the steps. Okay, then I'll do this. Then I'll get involved in the music industry. And yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll serve at a church somewhere, but but I'm coming down there. I said, I've done a lot of music ministry. I'm coming down from music industry. Okay. So I said that. God didn't tell me to say any of those things. But when I got down here, the first thing on that he told me to do through a friend of mine, close friend, is don't promote yourself. Wow. So I said, what, huh? Yeah, don't promote yourself. God, what does that look like? It looks like don't promote yourself. Mm. Let me promote you. Mm. So what that meant to me was like, I, I'm go, I'm going to go down here and not say anything about myself. I'm not going to give my resume. I'm not going to say, well, I played this for this long. I've done worked with this choir, worked with that choir. I've worked with these worship teams. I, you know, I, when I was in Ohio, we used to travel to different cities, and I would do uh, worship workshops for different churches and and just fired a team up to, you know, to go to the next level. None of that mm. stripped, stri- stripped me from all those, those, uh, you know, that press kit spirit. No, yeah, remember press kits? Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm going back. To oh age. man. I remember press kits, <laughs> but so I came down here and then my uh, friend went to Bethel. So we visit Bethel and we visited Bethel and we saw like, Wow, this is incredible diversity. We saw people on the stage, Hispanic, Asian, um, African American. Well, we, I think we like to be called black now. I, okay, I, I can't keep up. <laughs> white folks, I call them just white folks. My white brothers and sisters. <laughs> but just as seeing that all that diversity up there, I said this place is incredible. I said, but you know, it doesn't feel like I, what I grew up with. But I love it. It's great. Then they did a Kurt Franklin song, and I'm like, wait, they're playing it just like the record. Like <laughs> they're like not doing this like let's do it our the version. easy version yeah let's do it our style they were like legitimately giving this song what it does and i'm like welcome to nashville yep but then i said i start getting to a point where it's like and and, and i almost forgot the message don't promote you so i said well let me check out some other churches where maybe um i can just play there and they, and they need me i tried a few other churches and got to you know go back to bethel and sit we came and sit my wife sit sat and for our, so me and my wife came back and we sat. And then a few, uh, about six months later, he released us to serve, and I we joined the choir. Mm. We came and joined the choir, and I didn't even know. So you're not just talking the talk; you walked the walk. I walked the you walk. You started on choir. We started with the choir, and and this was after years of being a minister of music at my dad's church, playing the piano, playing the organ, playing drums, playing bass, and just. Doing all these things, uh, I can say in my worship toolbox or catalog, but when we came uh, to that point, he said, okay, join the choir. And mm-hmm. me and my wife joined the choir, and I sat in the tenor section of the choir, and and I just served. And I remember when the turnaround came, it's, it's someone else said, wait, he plays. And so I said, okay, well, I can help out with choir. They asked me to help out. And I said, I help out with just the rehearsals. So I came and once they heard me play, they said, wait a minute, he play plays. So they sent me the band. So I just watched the progression, how I didn't promote myself. I would just go to, in those moments, I would go and I would just play and just let God use those moments 
where he would do any promotion that even needed to be done. And then um, someone was needed for the choir after someone else had uh, moved on. Then I started working with the choir. These things, they didn't really know I really did, but behind the scenes, people started finding out, and then it went public later. And then wow. just promotion, I saw it come from God. Wow. And at this point, just you know, being the worship uh, pastor mm -hmm. there, it's a privilege and an honor. And my, let me tell you this story. My daughter, I got a lot of stories. <laughs> my daughter, when she was like 13 years old, and that's, and it goes back to when you said, how did you cultivate? I said, okay, Jasmine, her name's Jasmine. I said, Jasmine, you're going to join the choir. The age limit is 13 on, you know, on up. And she was like, I don't want to join the choir. I said, um, I feed you. I feed you. I clothe you. I said, for those things. <laughs> you pull the continue. dad card. <laughs> yeah. I pulled the dad card. And so, it, you know, she knows I'm joking, but, but serious. <laughs> but I said, no, join the choir. And so she joined it, not knowing the gifts that she had in her, the gifts that were there, just ready to be charged into where she's what she's doing now, even in her mid twenties. Wow, leading worship in a powerful way. And we go back to when she was thirteen. You were saying mm -hmm. I didn't want to do that, but as a father, I knew that's what God wanted her to do. See, that's so key because I remember my dad calling it out in me and seeing awesome. the potential yeah. that I didn't see in there as an eleven-year-old. And he's like, "Hey." I'll pay you 10 bucks a week to practice piano for an hour a day. And Great I was like, deal. okay, jackpot, let's go. And, and that just cultivated into me loving piano, loving music, writing songs, leading songs, writing from an early age of 15 in my dad's church. And here I am, I just turned 40 and I'm still leading worship. But there's something to that where you call out the potential. I think that's the role of, of a pastor and a worship pastor, especially, you know, music is such mm. a... Uh, 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 an area where people find such insecurities in. And so Absolutely. as a worship pastor, as someone who lives in that space of music, to be able to call out and to be able to instill security and give people that confidence to say, hey, I see in you what you don't see in yourself yet. There's a leader in there. There's a worshiper in there. And that's so powerful, man. I love that, dude. Wow. And now, now I'd love to kind of shift it because one of the things that we were talking about at our lunch was this this thing Nashville Worship Collective yes and you know you you told us a little bit of your journey of how you know what well one of the key things that I heard in there was that you're just available you never mm -hmm. had to self promote but you were always available and, and then God was like okay with that availability I'm going to show your abilities and He puts wow. you in those spaces and your gift made a way but more so than that the giver made a way. And yes. I just think that's really cool, man. And now you're in this position where you're a worship pastor, but it's not just, you have this heart for the greater Nashville area with worship leaders. And tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Share that with our listeners, like um, just your heart. And if you're listening and you're like, man, I, I have this similar heart. I think your story can really uh, lean into that. Wow. I, I love gathering people and I love being around people. And, and one thing after being in church so long, even after working at Bethel, you get caught into the um, Sundays are coming. Sundays mm -hmm. are coming. So Sundays always coming. Even as a pastor, you're, you've been a pastor and, and you grew up in worship and, and just ministry, Sundays come quick. And so you're always focusing on that next Sunday or if you have a midweek service, that as well. And you're moving toward that. And we can forget about when we say kingdom work, the entire, what that means. Mm. That means just our church, your church, our friend's church. Like it means coming together like that. And one thing that 
it showed me that vision uh, of what God has called us to do was during COVID, we had something called Beyond the Walls. Mm-hmm. And it was done in the middle of Tennessee area. And our pastor, Pastor James Lowe and Pastor Mark Rampula uh, from Southview Church down there um, in Spring Hill, they came together with other pastors and they said, let's do an outside church thing. And they did it down there past 96, somewhere off of 65. And we came together in this outside theater thing. And all these churches joined together. We were social distancing the best we could. And it was like, um, it was Pentecost Sunday. And we came together and I saw the power of, it felt good to be back in church again because we had all been shut down for months at that point. But I felt something different. I said, I felt the power in the community. Wow. So that stuck with me. Then we move ahead months later, we get we go back to church and doing Sundays as usual, doing our thing, which is a, gr- a good thing. But I'm seeing the greater thing was, wait, that moment was only felt by coming together more than just one church. Our pastor, Pastor James Lowe, started uh, what's called Unite, Unite Nashville. And it would be, it would happen once a month. I think it started happening once a month where we would walk for a mile. We would walk, start downtown at the courthouse, walk to the Capitol and pray. Wow. And we would walk back and do some worship. And just all the churches that everybody in, in this middle Tennessee was area was, was welcome to come. So when he did that, I said, wow, that's a powerful thing. What if that, that can be done in worship? I was thinking mm. that back then. And then I uh, got I got COVID back uh, September 2021, COVID pneumonia. Oh wow! Like it, it went to a crazy place, and it was a very dark time. Uh, for those who have had it, you've you've probably witnessed this as well. Where you go to a place, you're like everything that you loved. You you can get to a place where you didn't don't even want to do don't can't even imagine yourself doing it anymore. And that's where I got with music and worship. Wow. So I, that's how I knew it was dark and it was not of God at all. But when I start coming out, I felt the presence of God bringing me out. And I said, and one of the things I said to him, I said, you know what? Life is short. Mm. And I said, there's work, more work I have to do. There's more. What's next for me? And I'm thinking, is it moving from Bethel? Is it going from? And, and, and I never felt God releasing that. So it wasn't that. But what was next is what um, I've just started about less than six months ago and uh i started planning a recording for our church actually and i was moving very rapidly with this it was right after COVID, a month or two later i said we're going to record i told our worship leader i said we're going to record this december she's like that's like a month and a half two months i said we can do it we've been waiting we've been trying we all these years where sundays are coming and we're just caught up in the week to week which is a good thing, but there's a greater thing for her, for us to do. But all this talk, and she was like, well, we got Christmas plays. We got these things to do. We, and it was in the middle of like getting ready for all these Christmas productions. So I said, okay, January. I said, but we're going to do it. So I, I went to leadership, and where I made the mistake was going to them so late in the game and said, okay, this is what I got a plan to do. I'm funding it right now, and, and we just got – and they were like, whoa, 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 hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, Snapper." <laughs> and they said – the timing, the timing is just so quick. Hold on. And so, but then I, I walked kind of head down, you know, tail tucked between the legs, like, ah, oh, defeat, defeated. But then something came up where I thought, wait, why don't you just take this vision to this church, but then make it community? Mm. And when I brought that up and some leaders suggested, you know, if you do it, just, yeah, do something on your own, you know, and, and, and it was prayed over. 
And I started doing that. And, and my daughter came up with the name Nashville Worship Collective. Mm. And it's almost once a week now that I meet with someone that has to deal with uh, being a worship pastor at a church or worship leader. And I just connect with them over coffee or lunch. And, and, and the way I'm saying it is not, we, we came together and we did a recording in January and it's, we're planning on the release within a month, about a month and a half or so from now. Um, but w when it came together and I started meeting worship leaders, I start seeing God start showing me the needs for us to connect and not just to do recordings. Yeah. But it's, I, I start asking them, Hey, how's the health of your team? How's the health of your church? Mm. How, you know? And so I'm just going around checking on the health of other worship leaders. And in the meantime, God is give, they're telling me things that they're doing in their church is helping me come back and lead better. So this whole community is coming together to build the kingdom versus building just the castle. We mentioned Ooh, that too. Okay. Wow. And that's such a kingdom principle. I mean, what we see as like a tiny seed, God's like, oh, actually, this is going to be, it starts as a mustard seed yes. and then grows to a tree that gives shade to the entire garden. And the thing that I love mm -hmm. about your heart, man, is you were talking about how it's just checking in on the health of other worship leaders. I think there's a desperate thing within all of us that just wants to be uh, connected to other worship leaders. You know, like there's something powerful about that community of other worship leaders. Hey, you get what I'm walking through, or hey, how did you deal with this? Yes. Or what are you guys doing to address this? And it's, you know, one, one of the things that we were able to do in Washington was this DC worship initiative. And I started it and it was like three or four worship leaders. When I left DC, it was over a hundred wow. different worship leaders around the area getting together yeah. quarterly to have breakfast with one another. Cause hey, everybody's got to eat. And so I yeah, love the yes. fact that, you know, you're just connecting with these worship pastors and worship leaders over coffee or over lunch and just pouring into them. And I think that's something that everyone who's listening can implement in some way. Hey, who is that one worship leader or worship pastor in your city, in your town that you can just connect with over, over wow. lunch and just build community? I think the kingdom of God is collaboration over competition. And when we can see that, when we can see that we are for one another, you know, when I first moved to Nashville as a church planter, I mean, I'm thinking, man, Nashville's got so many churches. What dent can we make in what the enemy's trying to do? Mm -hmm. And this one, uh, this one pastor, his name's Dave Clayton. He pastors at Ethos Church, and he said, he said one one thing that I did when when we first planted, he was telling me, is that I told other pastors, hey, we're not here to steal the fight; we're here to lend our sword to the battle. And that wow. phrase, that phrase has stuck with me because there's so much. Uh, that good that we can do as a church family and as a body when we lift up one another's arms. And so, dude, I think in our time left, man, I, I just have a simple question. I love to ask everybody okay. this. Uh, what is spirit-led worship to you? What does that look like at Bethel? What does that look like in your personal life to be led by the Holy Spirit? I've used this example. Um, uh, first of all, let me read this verse. John 14, 26. Jesus promised to send the comforter, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit comes as a comforter. It comes as um, a paraclete. Mm -hmm. It comes as uh, uh, one that guides, one that leads and one that reminds you mm. of everything. So when I read that verse again, because I love this verse, because when I think of spirit-led worship, I think of 
the Holy Spirit reminding you not just of not just of the goodness of God, reminding you, but even and let's get practical. It reminds you of where to go next. It mm. reminds you of how to lead. It reminds you of. Uh, I'll go practical even with this. When I came to Bethel, I didn't notice a. You know, charts are great. Now, remember, I told you, I said, I came from the world. I was playing by ear. Okay, these guys were playing by charts. But you have to fuse them together, I believe, to have the the, the greatest potential spirit-led worship. Reason being, because if you're just chart-driven only, you're stuck to what's there. Where can the Holy Spirit move in that? If Okay, no, it didn't say a third chorus. It says two choruses. We're supposed to move on. The spirit, you just lock the spirit out from moving. But if you're just ear only, you say, okay, I'm just going to be free and just be led. You still need a map, a map, some kind of mm. structure. Then you say, okay, God, I'm giving you this structure. Now you have your way. I did my part. I did the works. Now I'm applying the faith. Let's go. So in spirit-led worship to me is, is, uh, is watching and praying. So what that means in the context of, of our worship leaders, I'll tell them, don't, don't do close eyes, close eye worship. Don't close your eyes, don't worship. Just you're worshiping and you're just having your moment. Have that at home. Dude, come on now. But when you come in front of the, the congregation and the people of God, you want to have your eyes open because you will lead differently. You'll see somebody hurting. You'll see somebody, you'll say something and it'll resonate and you'll see like a wave of people. You're like, okay, that's where the Holy Spirit is telling me to go. Let me stay there. Spirit-led worship is hearing from God even in the moment. He told, uh, I believe it was Stephen in the Bible, one of the disciples, he said, he told one of the disciples, he said, go, even though you don't have words, I will give you the words when you get there. Yeah. So you have to go into worship like, yes, I'm prepared and ready, but when I get there, I, I, I need to be aware of that God can speak at any moment and he can lead me at any moment. One more thing I want to say. I, just, I love it, dude. I love that eyes open piece, especially. Yes. Because I think, what, and one practical thing on that is like, I think, you know, one of the things that I've had the opportunity to raise up worship leaders, just like you will. And one of the things that we always do is we'll video um, an actual service because I'm always like, are you leading eyes open? Oh yeah, my eyes are open all the time. Wow. And then we'll watch it together. And it's like, oh my goodness, my eyes were closed 95% of the time. Wow. I don't think yes. we realize that. Right. But how, and you know, it's like, if I try to drive my car with my eyes closed, I'm not going to get very far and I might crash. And so I think as we lead worship, yes. to be aware of those moments, man, I love that, Will. Keep going, man, because you're on to something here. Listen, st stay connected to the Holy Spirit as much as possible, mm. and then you will have that open, spontaneous relationship with the Holy Spirit as well. In other words, when you're connected to someone like my wife, I just know her so well that we can have spont spontaneity. Like, she if she wants to do, hey, let's go do, I knew you were going to say that. I knew, you, <laughs> oh, what do you want to eat? Oh, that's good. That's good. I knew you were going to say, I knew you wanted to eat there today. I, I, because that relationship, so you want that relationship with the Holy Spirit was like, okay. I you knew know, you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Wow. I knew you were going to go there. And I, I've told, God gave me, gave me this analogy. It's like a usher or a greeter. And what a usher is in, in church, well, just not in church, it's ushers in theaters and things like that as well, is they take you to your seat. seat. They show you where your seat is mm. at. So you come into a door and you see them. And then they say, hey, nice to meet you. Nice. Glad you're here. And they take you and they take you to your seat. Once you sit down, you don't see the usher anymore. 
That's who we ought to be as worship leaders. Let's go. You, 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 they see you when they first get there and you lead them to a place, but the seat you take them to is the seat that sits in front of Jesus. Wow. And then they shouldn't see you anymore. Mm. To me, that's spirit-led worship because you're leading them to a place where God can do the work he needs to do in them, where God can bring the praise and worship he needs to bring out in them. And then they don't see you anymore because it's not about you. It becomes about the one that you set it up to be about and the one that it is about. Mm. So, wow. Dude, I feel like I've just drank from a fire hose, man. Oh, man. I mean, dude, such good things. I mean, we've talked about leading through pain and suffering, cultivating an atmosphere of worship in the home. We've talked about spirit-led worship. We've talked about humility and what it looks like to go from point A to point B as you're following the Lord. Man, thank you so much for sharing Appreciate your heart. You I feel yes, like uh, I can go and fill up a notebook right now, man. So I oh, hope you guys, wow. as you're listening, you're encouraged, you're inspired, and you're challenged in your faith. And I can't wait for our next time together. Thank you for having me, sir. Yes, sir. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.